From Welcome Villain Films, the studio that brought you the horror hit Malum, as well as Beaten to Death and Hunter Killer, comes their newest nightmare, Mind, Body, Spirit, now available on digital. Directed by Alex Haynes and Matthew Miranda, and produced by Dan Asma, Mind, Body, Spirit follows Anya, an aspiring yoga influencer, as she embarks on a ritual practice left behind by her estranged grandmother. What starts as a spiritual self-help guide quickly evolves into something much more sinister. As Anya becomes increasingly obsessed with the mysterious power of the practice, she unwittingly unleashes an otherworldly entity that begins to take control of her life and her videos. Now, Anya must race to unlock the truth before her descent into madness threatens to consume her mind, body, and spirit. During its festival tour, which stops at Chattanooga Film Festival and the Unnamed Footage Festival, Mind, Body, Spirit garnered praise from critics who call it a found footage version of Hereditary and a knockout found footage horror movie for the live stream era. Experience the first ever yoga-themed found footage horror film and don't miss the film viewers have called extremely frightening and upsetting. Available now on digital anywhere you rent or buy movies online, including Prime Video and Apple Plus. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's the show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com And welcome back to Scarred for Life, the podcast where we open up old wounds by looking back at the films that scared us as kids. I'm Terry. And I'm Mary Beth. Each episode, our special guest will bring with them a movie that traumatized them as a child. February is Women in Horror Month, and in honor of that, we wanted to use this month to highlight women working in the horror industry, from directors to actors to writers. This week, our special guest is Valeska Griffiths. She's the founder of Anatomy of a Scream and Grimm Magazine. She's the co-editor of The Scare's Sacred Book, published through House of Leaves Publishing, and a co-host of the Riverdale podcast called Milkshakes and Mimosas. Welcome to the show. <laughs> I don't think I've ever had the Milkshakes and Mimosas uh, part added to an intro for a horror podcast, so this is very special. <laughs> well, it's important. It's very important, one, because Riverdale is an amazing piece of trash, and two, it's an amazing title. <laughs> <laughs> well, I did not think of the title. That would be, uh, I believe, Andrew Roebuck thought of it. Mm. He's uh, the main host. I'm okay. just kind of a, a secondary host, I guess. Cool. Um, so who's your favorite character from Riverdale is an important question. Um, I feel like I should say Cheryl Blossom because she's more on brand, but I'm a Betty girl. Okay. All right. I feel that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> my favorite is Archie's abs. 
<laughs> but not as acting, I mean, though, right? No. Hell no. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, oh, my God. But he has, he, he has, um, I, you know, I stopped watching the show, but um, in the third season, he went from, like, being a, kind of like a beefcake to, like, being freaking cut. Like, right? it just, like, I was like, whoa, what, who are you? And this is, it didn't look healthy. It looks like he was, like, not drinking enough water. <laughs> well, he's I mean, a vigilante now. Oh, is he? Yeah. yeah yes. I, he was, um, I think when I stopped watching, he was in prison and I like watched him <laughs> break out of the prison. And was that then... before or after he fought the invisible bear? I love Riverdale what? so much. Invisible bear? <laughs> oh, you need to go back to the show. <laughs> oh, yes. Okay. I think, is that when he's on the lamb and like, yeah, yes, yes. he has the dog and stuff? Oh, yeah, I think. I think I saw. I I don't know. The whole thing is kind of a blur. I just I, I mean, watched it's a lot. It, it is a lot, oh, but my... I think it's good. Like I like I like a lot. My friend in grad school really wanted to write a final paper about why Riverdale was camp, but she couldn't think of an actual academic argument to make, so she ended up not writing it. And I wish she had because I feel like there is an academic argument, but she was like, I just can't think of one in time. Damn it! And I was like, that would have been so funny. <laughs> just an entire academic paper about. Riverdale. I just want to write an entire academic paper about how it's just too much. Re- exactly. <laughs> Wait, can the next can, can the next um, issue of uh, Grimm Magazine just be about Riverdale? <laughs> um, you're joking, but there is actually going to be a piece on uh, the Riverdale horror comics. Yes! Oh, nice. <laughs> oh my god. Well, speaking of Grimm Magazine, probably getting more on brand and more on topic rather than Riverdale. Oh right! Yes, yes. This is a horror <laughs> podcast. Okay. Hey, it's not—it's not a Scar for Life episode if we don't talk about hot boys. I'm sorry. Exactly. Duh. Um, well, I mean, we're going to talk about a hot rat later. I hope. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Oh my god! I cannot wait. <laughs> um. So, Valeska, mm-hmm. why did you start Anatomy of a Scream, and then how did Grim Magazine come out of that? Um, I think that a lot of it was that I was too anxious to pitch other sites, so I just started to <laughs> I decided to start my own. Oh my god, that's such a mood. <laughs> I know. <laughs> like, I don't want to pitch other people, so I'm gonna make my own site, which honestly is amazing. And it's taken off though. Like it's amazing. Uh it has. It was just me for the first year, but then I decided to kind of uh expand a little bit, bring on some more writers, so I did that and then I think it was close to the end of the second year, I just figured that maybe print was a good way to go from there and grim was initially supposed to be just um like a once a year women in horror month month kind of celebration but then it was so much fun i just decided to do it a couple times a year so now we publish twice a year uh february and september and it's just been amazing working with the like wonderful writers who have decided to pitch for us so and I, I've been able to contribute twice. Um, the most you recent, I, it's been an absolute honor to be in print. It's like, but there's something about being in print that's just like so cool. Like being able to hold your piece. I know that sounds weird, hold your piece, but like, <laughs> I took a picture of me holding out the spread and put it on Facebook, and all of my friends who like to- totally understand what I do were like, "Oh my god, you're in a magazine!" And it's just like was very validating. Yeah, something about it feels more real, right? Yeah. Just like the tangible, yeah. Kind of- well, and it's absolutely beautifully designed, and oh, it's thank des- you. it's designed by you, right? It is gorgeous. It is. Thank you. It's so like, much work, but <laughs> it's really satisfying. I mean, it should. It's just having, and I feel like you're one of the few women out there, like giving writers an opportunity to write in print, which I think is absolutely amazing. It's like what you, 
uh, Andrea Subasati, and yeah. um, oh, I can't remember the name of the editor for Suspira magazine. Yeah, it's just awesome. Oh, cool. And guys, if you're listening and want to pitch Grim Magazine, they just put out a call for pitches for the next issue. Teen horror. Ugh. Ooh. Yes. I need to pitch at some point. You do need to pitch. <laughs> now would be a good time. <laughs> I mean, not like immediately. Right now. Okay, hey, sorry so, guys. Okay, here's the pitch. Podcast over. <laughs> what if we just made a podcast of us like, oh, this is a parable, tricking editors onto our podcast and then pitching them and having them accept our pitches on the podcast? <laughs> that would be really awful. Uh, <laughs> that would be so awkward. I love it. <laughs> it would definitely ensure the end of the podcast, I think. <laughs> Uh, anyway, that's my horrible idea of the day. It wasn't bad. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, how did you how did you get into horror? Um, did, was it something you grew up with? Um, so, horror is my mother's favorite genre. Amazing. Uh, so, I grew up kind of like half being fascinated, peeking out from behind a couch, and half like hiding in another room. Yeah, I know that feeling. And then, as I, I think it was in high school, I decided I wanted to be like edgy, so I got into horror because that was like the cool <laughs> thing to do. But then I realized that I actually liked it, and then yeah. just kind of went from there. That's awesome. Oh, yeah. What was your mom's favorite horror movie? I don't know. She watched so many. Okay. Um, cool. I think she was a big fan of the Hellraiser series, because I remember oh, okay. being very terrified by the image of Pinhead. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. That's um, that's a heavy, heavy uh, title for a kid to watch, too, for sure. <laughs> I mean, I don't think she actually watched that one while I was around. Like, she's not okay. a bad mom or anything. I'm not trying to, like, paint a picture. <laughs> no, 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 no. Oh, no. I'm sure she the thought n- I was asleep a lot of the time. The number of people we've talked to whose parents have been, like, and including my own, who are like, oh, this is fine. Yeah. <laughs> like, my parents, it's, not, it's just fine. It's fine. <laughs> my parents introduced me to Alien at eight when I was eight. Just you know, to see my reaction. can't so. see blood until nine years old anyway. They're, like, basically colorblind. <laughs> Good point. Yeah. <laughs> fair point. Fair point. Uh... So can you tell us a little bit more about the Scare Sacred book that's coming out soon, which I am so excited about? Uh, yeah, it's um, it's all about religion horror. It's divided into four different sections. It covers things from like Christianity to the occult, mysticism. Um, we have a bunch of different authors, uh, various like horror academics and critics and writers who have contributed chapters talking about different films. Um, and I'm... I'm a little biased, but I think it's amazing. I've spent a lot of time editing each chapter, and I'm just very excited for other people to be able to read it. I have been so excited for this book for a long time. Um, Oh, thank you. you. I'm just, yeah. And then you said that you were editing. I'm like, everyone that is amazing in horror is part of this book, and I'm just so pumped to read it. Um, When is it coming out, hitting bookshelves? Yes. Uh, It's available for pre-order now at houseofleavespublishing.com. We'll link that in the show notes, everybody. Absolutely. Just want to give a shout out to uh, Rebecca Booth and RF Todd, who are also like uh, involved in the book. Uh, Rebecca is a co-editor, and RF Todd was a curator. And yeah, it's very exciting. Erin Thompson also did um, some editing as well, and she's fantastic. Awesome. Who are some of the uh, the, the writers that are contributing? Uh, Anya Stanley, Andrea mm. Subasati, uh, LMK Shepard, um, Dr. John Cousins, uh, just a bunch of really great That's people. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Hell yeah. I have oh, so- a chapter on witchcraft, so you can look out for that one. <gasps> oh my gosh. Oh gosh. I didn't think I could be more excited, and now I am even more excited. Um, <laughs> Sorry about that. It's just the effect I have. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, do we want to talk about what we've watched recently? 
Yeah. Cool. So Terry, what have you been watching? So, you know, it's been a while since since we recorded because uh, we had travel and I went to a festival. And so uh, this is our first recording post uh, me going to Panic Fest. Oh, and that's I saw right. a whole lot of movies. I saw 14 <laughs> movies there. And then I got and how many days? 14 and three. I just. Oof. It was. Uh, yeah, it was four, that's six and lot. four. <laughs> And then I also got like six more uh, online screeners uh, to watch. So I think I've watched oh a total God, of like Terry. 20 or 21 movies um, for this festival. Have you reviewed all of them? No, <laughs> no, I have not. Okay, good. I am, I am drowning in reviews and I feel really bad about it because um, I just have not had the time that I would like to be able to devote to reading. And then well, on and top Terry, of that... Terry, expecting yourself to publish that many reviews that quickly is not fair to your brain. I mean, I we've all done it. I mean, okay, I say this as someone who has done that before, but <laughs> seeking from Pat, like trying not to to avoid burnout. Yeah, I, it's okay. I he know. has cold brew. I do. <laughs> I, I, I mentioned before we started recording that I have leveled up my gay because I am drinking cold brew now, fellows. I, it I'm, is seven p seven p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and Terry is drinking a cold brew. Six p.m. his time. I mean, as as you. As you do, do, right? As He's a hero we need. <laughs> I don't know about that, but I <laughs> have <laughs> uh, the, mis- the the mistake you should stay away from because this is probably going to end poorly for me. But that's okay. That's okay. Uh, it's fine. It's fine. But anyway, so um, I I think over the next few episodes I'll probably talk a, a couple um movies uh per episode. But the ones that I really wanted to talk about that I I really kind of dug is a uh, Sea Fever. Oh, I love Sea Fever. Have, have you seen it, Valeska? I have not, but it sounds amazing. Just judging by Mary Beth's uh, reaction <laughs> like, to that. Like I, I mean, saw, oh, it's absolutely, it's so good. I mean, it's it's about a um, an Irish. Uh, you had like, me at Irish. <laughs> Irish um, uh, fishing vessel that has a P. I think she's a PhD candidate um, yeah. that's on it to. Uh, study the patterns of sea life um mm-hmm. and they end up going into an area that they're that they're not supposed to and something latches onto their ship and then something gets on the ship and that's all i really want to talk about in terms of like the plot but it is it is so good it's the so acting good. is so good it reminded me like i've first heard a lot of people talk about the thing in relation to this but like for me it kind of reminded me a lot of alien so it reminded me more of alien than the thing yeah um, because yeah because uh it's like a blue collar workforce you know they they have kind of the same kind of conversations that the crew of the nostromo would have they uh, attack the uh the problem in ways that um feel grounded in in their actual characters yeah and i just i thought it was a, a perfect indie film about paranoia and being stuck at sea and i love aquatic horror yeah um i also i talked um i saw it at tiff in september and i interviewed the director nasa hardeman Mm. um she's amazing and she was telling me about how they spent actual time on like an actual fishing fishing vessel with a family who had been fishing like for generations so it was really cool to hear how like how much research they did for that movie and how they like used a fishing vessel that was a family fishing vessel and it was a brother and sister who used this boat 
who are blue collar workers. And it's really cool just hearing her talk about the process, but just the film in general is just so beautiful and it's like body horror, but not too body horror. Um, yeah. It's awesome. Sounds like my jam. I was going to say, Valeska, I feel like you would really, like, you're going to dig this movie when you see it. I don't know if it has distribution yet, but. I have to keep an eye out for that. I'm so, so glad you liked it, though. Yes. I was like, I was ner- I didn't think you wouldn't like it, but I'm always nervous when I like, I hype up a movie and tell someone to see it and then they see it. And I was like, oh no, what if they actually hate it? <laughs> it this was like one of the, the movies, uh, the that I like was most looking forward to at this festival. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I'm really glad that it, it li- lived up to that kind of hype. Cause it just, it, it was the perfect movie for me. And uh, I, for- I don't know why I didn't lead with this. I buried the lead. <laughs> I watched it with Rebecca fucking McKendry in the audience. Uh, the lover of aquatic horror. I was going to say aquatic horror queen. <laughs> yeah. She was in the audience. Elric Kane was in the audience and Adam green was in the audience. Oh, damn. Yeah. Okay. So I mean I that in of itself. Panic fest. <laughs> yeah. Uh so yeah, it was um that it was a great screening. And then the other one I wanted to talk about was Swallow. I can't wait to see it. Um so this movie is it's an odd one. It is about this married woman who is she's kind of like a trophy wife to this very rich man and his very rich family and so like she's kind of ignored and she's basically like an incubator for a kid like they really want her to just have a kid Ew, incubator. And then, what a gross word i mean it's, I a, good, it's, it's a good word it's just like but ugh. it's it's how i felt about like yeah. the way they tr- they treated her in this um and like it, it, the movie like so it opened up and I, w- I was like really afraid that this was going to be a-, a bad movie because it opened up with a uh, a very on the nose metaphor of like lambs going to a slaughter. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. And I'm like, OK, this is a bit on the nose. <laughs> and her name is called Hunter. And I'm like, oh, so okay. I'm like, ah, this is a little, but it's that is like, much. it's a little much, but like, literally that is like the only time I felt that through this entire oh, movie. Okay, good. And so it's basically like, she has no control over her life. And then at one, at one dinner, she decides to chew some ice, which seems like such a small thing, but like the family that she is with, like stares her down. Oh, they would hate me. <laughs> and she decides that because she has like, she has absolutely no control over her life. She finds this marble oddly fascinating and she swallows it and then that kind of leads her down um this path of of swallowing metal objects and it's very it's a very simple story it's um but it's very uh i told mary beth a little bit like before um when we were texting back and forth that it's kind of it kind of reminds me of like a rape revenge film in some way aka my jam yeah i i mean i just i don't want to really spoil it but it's just it there's there's a lot of like a lot of subtext behind it and it goes into some very powerful directions i thought it was an absolute stunner of a slow burn i really regret missing that at fantasia oh yeah i'm reviewing it for nightmare on film street so i have to watch it soon and i'm excited this is actually i'm Haley Haley bennett i think is the star i've she, heard absolutely amazing things about her performance her performance is is a career making performance in this if, oh, if people okay. don't like sit up and, and take notice of her after this film i don't know what i don't know what because she just is <laughs> she's just really good in this movie 
cool. Yeah, I've heard that it's like an it's like ridiculously amazing. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. Well, I cannot wait to check it out. And I really can't wait to talk to you about it, Mary Beth. <laughs> I really can't. <laughs> and it's coming out soon, March sixth. Yeah, is March sixth is when it's released, coming out. So yeah, listeners, you can watch it soon. Yeah, amazing. Um, but that I, I think those are the two I really wanted to talk about. Okay. Uh, what about you, Mary Beth? So I've watched quite a bit, um, but there again, there are like two things I really want to talk about. Um, the first one is the lodge. Oh. I love the lodge. I so the lodge um, has been one of my like most anticipated movies since early last year, and I was like so bummed it got pushed back and it got pushed back, but I finally got to watch it. I kept missing it at festivals, whatever, but I finally got to watch it, and I was like so worried. Because it had been so hyped up, people were like, "It's the most disturbing thing you'll ever see," and like those kinds of those kinds of reviews or like kind of hyperbolic comments always kind of scare me. Mm-hmm. But uh, they were. Did you not know hyper- the plot going in? I did. I knew the plot going in, okay. but not. I didn't know a lot of details. Like there were certain things that I found out when I watched it that like I probably could have found out online, but I was trying to go in as blind as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, like I didn't know any of the twists. I just knew the very basic that a woman was going to a cabin with her boyfriend and his two kids and it goes bad that's really all i knew because i like i wanted to be as like blind as possible oh my god this movie (laughs) is fucking wild and i loved it and i never want to watch it again (laughs) i can't wait to watch it again (laughs) but i am just a weirdo like that no but like i i i do want to watch it again but like the feeling i had when it was over was it's just intense. so empty. And like everyone yeah. had said that. And again, I was like, oh, I don't know about that. But good God, it really is just like gut wrenching. Like if there is a movie I ever have to describe as gut wrenching, it's that movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, the thing is, is that like when I, I, I went into it and I it, it's one of those movies that like had an immediate um, positive reaction out of critics. And then all yeah. of a sudden it seemed to turn sour. And yeah. It's been kind of a divisive movie, and to be perfectly honest, I do not like Good uh, Goodnight Mommy, their mm. first mm-hmm. uh, feature. And it's it's weird because this movie kind of operates very similarly to Goodnight Mommy in some like thematic ways. Like that's not a spoiler. There's there's yeah. just like that kind of theme. Um, and yet this one worked for me where that movie did not, and I've heard the opposite. So like it's oh, just it's a movie that I feel is gonna just uh based on the viewer is like yeah you know but i mean i've talked about career defining performances riley keel oh yeah i mean so she's been and she's not like new i mean she was in the house that jack built she's in the new movie uh zola that's coming out that was sundance she's amazing in this movie and i mean like whew. um can we also give a shout out to the very brief performance of alicia silverstone yes okay thank you i, I mean hello. when i was watching it i was like who wait is that Alicia Silverstone? <laughs> That's her. Like she doesn't. Sh- she's in it very briefly, but but man, she, just, everyone in that. I like her new little niche now because she was also in the Killing of the Sacred Deer. Oh my she god, was. that's right! Holy shit, I forgot about that. Same cinematographer too. Yes, Whoa. um, yes, I and I. That's one thing that I, I noted. I noted in my review because it, it's it's very 
it, it reminded me a lot of the kind of clinical detachedness mm-hmm. that that they that the, he empl- the cinematographer employed in the Killing yeah. Sacred Deer, and he's worked with uh I don't know how to pronounce his name, but the guy that did that that movie, oh, Yargos, uh, and Yar- Yargos. Yeah. yeah, he's worked with him on a, on a number of his of his films. Yeah, it's just it's that movie. Yeah, emptiness. But I mean, like, I, it, I, it worked so well for me. And I, I actually did really, I liked Goodnight Mommy. So I was really excited to see what this pair um, we're going to make next. So I'm glad I lived up to the hype. Um, I have a lot of thoughts about it, but I don't want to spoil for everyone. Yeah. But I have a lot of <laughs> thoughts about it in regards to how it represents mental health, which I think is so cool. But anyway. It's a movie that, like, I really want to just, like, have an episode and dig into. Because yeah. Maybe if we I, do a Patreon. Because, like. There's just a lot that I there, there's a lot I want to talk about that I couldn't you know just yeah touch on in the review or and because no one a lot of people listeners probably haven't even seen it yet so like yeah, yeah. and another the other one I wanted to talk about was Gretel and Hansel okay I'm curious about this did you see it Velasca no I haven't seen it yet I've heard kind of mixed reviews but yeah. the people who've really liked it have really liked it so so Terry did you see it. I have not seen it yet. Okay, I really wanted so to. I will be the um, the sole opinion about this movie and give it the scarred for life seal of approval yeah, <laughs> that I'm making, right. but that I am now making up. Um, uh, well, w- to be honest, we used it last week in uh, After Midnight. Oh, that's right, we did. Okay, perfect. Yeah. So now's the thing. Um, I'm gonna make make up. A, <laughs> I'm gonna make a little seal we can put on posters and stuff. Yeah, <laughs> I love this. So I absolutely adored it. Um, I love Oz Perkins. I know that he's kind of hit or miss for a lot of people. He did The Black Coat's Daughter, which I actually wrote about for an issue of Grimm Magazine. Um, and I love that movie to pieces. And then he did I'm the Pretty Thing That Lives in the House, which I was not as impressed with. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, I think it's beautiful, but I think I just got bored, like, to be perfectly honest. Sorry, guys. It is um, a very slow burn. Yeah, I... and I usually like slow burns. But for some, like, that one was just like... It put me to sleep. I'm just gonna be honest. Did you like it, Valeska? Um, I didn't love it, but okay. I and I probably won't revisit it. But okay. I do remember <laughs> enjoying you, it at the time. Okay. Literally, the only thing I remember about about the pretty thing is the the scene that worked for me was very early in the movie where she's on the phone and the cord gets stretched. That was really good. Mm-hmm. That's really awesome. But like, other than that, I, I honestly, I don't know how, how much I saw because I fell asleep in the middle of it. <laughs> I was so, and I love slow burns, but I was so bored in that movie, but I do love black goat's daughter, something fierce. So Gretel and Hansel is just like on another level. It's like, it's absolutely gorgeous to look at. Like, I you couldn't I I couldn't be bored if I tried because of how beautiful it was to look at. Yeah. But like the story, I mean, we know the story of Hansel and Gretel, but this like this is a more kind of like feminist twist to the fairy tale where the woman is trying to be like the young girl trying to be more empowered. Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry, not to uh, not to interrupt her, like, but like I saw a review that was like bitching about the fact that Gretel was named first. <laughs> Oh my god! Instead of it being like Hansel and Gretel that they put it first, and how how like woke trash that is. But sorry, go ahead. It just made me <laughs> laugh. What, but like, this, it's about. Oh, wait, did her. they say that they ruined the childhood as well? <laughs> I just, it's. I absolutely loved it. I think it was beautiful. I think it was a really awesome look at like a dark world of fairy tales. I think someone tweeted this, but like I. I want to see Oz Perkins do more creepy fairy tales. Um, mm. He creates this really fascinating world, like of fairy tales that you're kind of just plopped into. 
Mm-hmm. And it's just absolutely gorgeous. I was sold. It's less than 90 minutes long. I mean, like... That's a plus. Yeah, I... these are all, like, good things right now. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, Sophia Lillis, isn't it, as Gretel? Oh, I love her. And she's so good. And also, like, this is very superficial, but, like, when, when, a, when a movie will let a young girl have short hair without it being, like, a central point to her character, it's my favorite. Like, let yeah. girls have pixie cuts. It's fine. But... I just, she was phenomenal. So if you like movies about witches, this is the big, very good. I just, I love, all I've obviously seen is the trailer, but I just love the imagery that's going on in that trailer. And I, that's one thing I, I, he's really good at is, is like staging a scene and using like really effective images. Yeah. I'm really, I'm excited to see it. I just, I missed it because it was at a bad time. I think you guys will both enjoy just knowing what I know about you from the internet yeah (laughs) um but those were the two i also just want to give a shout out to the final girls berlin film festival um i got to cover it remotely and watch a bunch of amazing shorts from women and non-binary directors from around the world and it's always like i always have a hard time like remembering to watch short movies so making my like making me set myself only look at the shorts blocks was like the best way to do that and i got to watch some really awesome really creative stuff from directors i want to see more of so that's awesome. Yeah. Just that. I mean, and I just love the idea of having like a film festival dedicated to women directors and horror, especially it's Women in History Month or not Women in History, Jesus, Women in Horror Month. So it's just cool to be able to dedicate some of my energy to watching amazing films by up and coming artists. Just want to oh, give a shout yeah. out to the Bloody Mary Film Festival in Toronto for that. Seriously. Yes. Them too. Yeah. That's awesome. There's like, I mean, and then there's a couple more, but I just, the final, I just um, covered it this weekend. So. I watched some really cool stuff. Amazing. Cool. So, Valeska, what have you been watching recently? Doing, um, I playing? got to enjoy Birds of Prey. Oh, yes. I just wanted I to see it. it. I don't want to talk about it. I keep. I think I'm going to see it this weekend. It's really, really great. Isn't it? I don't it? know what the people are complaining about. Oh, wait. Yes, I do. Sexism. <laughs> <laughs> Those it's white just, head It's gorgeous. Men. It's like so delightful. And I want all the costumes, including Ewan McGregor's. Hell yeah. He can rock some uh some nice eyeliner too. He he was uh <laughs> Yeah. Was that one scene? Me. Yeah. <laughs> I think he wore a lot in Velvet Gold Goldmine as well. He did. Oh, he that definitely did in Velvet Goldmine. Oh, I really it looks absolutely delicious. Like I just love uh, the like the set like the production design from the trailers looks absolutely like it's wow, phenomenal. Chef's kiss. So I just like it's everything I want. And Margot Robbie is Harley Quinn. Like, she just nails the role so freaking well. I'm very happy that she nailed the accent all the way through this time. <laughs> I, I have not seen uh, Suicide Squad. Neither, so I was going to say, I haven't seen that She's either. She's the best part. That's what I hear. And I'm glad that we have, like, a movie for her that's not, that's, like, away from Suicide Squad. And, like, you can kind of see her as a better She is, like, absolute movie. perfection in it. Oh, I'm telling I you. Wait. And I love Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Oh, me mm-hmm. too. So She's very out. funny. She is funny. Sweet. She kind of nails that awkward humor in this. It's really good. I found cool. it very relatable. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Okay. Anything else that you've been watching recently? Uh, I've been playing a lot of Sims 4. Hell oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, it was free for PS Plus members. So I oh. guess that's a shout out to PS Plus members. Um, download your <laughs> Sims 4. <laughs> Um, but don't do what I did. I didn't figure out that you can uh, turn the aging off until my character became an elderly person. So I'm trying to figure out how to de-age them now and looking up cheats. 
Well, what is The Sims without cheats, though? I feel like I don't know anyone who plays The Sims without cheats. Well, now I have to figure out the cheat for, like, a million dollars as well, because I need to uh, upgrade my house. I'm also, like, used to people playing The Sims on their laptops and their computers, not on PS4. Yeah, this is my first time with, like, a console Sims game, so... How is that going? Um, it did take a little while to get used to, but it's fine. You'll get it, it's fine. The thing I loved about The Sims, uh was back when the first one came out it allowed me to like explore homosexuality in a game yes. in ways yep. that um i wasn't comfortable exploring in in the real world because like i still was deeply in the closet at that time and so i think i think that game is is phenomenal i've kind of lost track of it over the years but um man it's a fun game see i was kind of lucky in that i had a bunch of barbies and no ken dolls so it was uh-huh. very easy for me to explore yeah <laughs> I mean, I had a, I had a bunch of like He Man dolls, and you know, it's like shirtless Hell, men, yeah, and they and look... really nice haircuts, yeah, <laughs> They're basically made for it, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> phenomenal. Oh. Well, so we have talked about what we've been watching. Um, let's talk about the movie you brought with oh, you boy. today, Valesco. What are we talking about today? Uh, we're going to talk about Don Bluth's The Secret of Nim. Oh my goodness. Uh... I'm so excited. So before we talk about the film, we just want to give all of you a quick synopsis to get you up to speed. Um, if you haven't seen this, you need to see it now. It's beautiful. So in The Secret of Nim, it's plowing season. And a Boy, widowed... is it. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Jesus Christ, Terry. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah, I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, can I feel it all professional? And... <laughs> This is the best. No, I'm glad that you said that because I have a few jokes that I wrote down that uh, I was wondering if they were a little bit too much, but well, that's oh, the kind of I we're on, apparently. I was going to say, this is, I don't think there's anything. Is, we haven't found out what too much is for us quite yet. So <laughs> the, 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 Fantastic. The, bar, the level is pretty high. Um, anyway. I'm sorry. T- <laughs> don't ever apologize. <laughs> take two. It's filing season, Terry Ma- Terry Menard's favorite time of year, and a mm-hmm. wooded field mouse named Ms. Brisby, Mrs. Brisby, voiced by Elizabeth Hartman, must quickly move her family before the plow destroys everything. Unfortunately, her younger son Timmy, youngest son Timmy, is deathly ill with pneumonia and can't go outside. So Mrs. Brisby sets out on a grave journey to the enlist the aid of a colony of highly intelligent escaped lab rats that have built a subterranean society inside a rose bush near the farmer's house. And if that description doesn't get you excited for this movie, I don't know what else to tell you. <laughs> because it's about wizard rats, and it's the best. It is literally the best. It is so good. So how old were you when, when you saw this, Valeska? And um, how, what did it do to affect you? Like, how did, it, how did it scare you? I mean, I must have been, like, probably four or five when I first watched it, but I can't actually remember. But I do mm-hmm. remember that I rewatched it dozens and dozens of times a lot of the films that i watched as a child were surprisingly dark um, yeah have you heard of an australian film called sarah and the squirrel no no i no, sure haven't right. um it's about a young girl in nazi germany who's forced oh, to hide in the woods with her family who then Whoa. disappear and she decides to sabotage a bridge in order to stop the nazis from transporting supplies oh wow so that, honestly that was like that was like not any that was not where i thought you were going to go with <laughs> no uh, I also watched a Danish film called Samson and Sally about whales that was very dark and disturbing. It was about like pollution and whaling. And um, basically what I'm trying to say is that I 
think my mom just let me watch a lot of like animated films just because they were animated and didn't really know about the content or maybe she just I have no idea what was going on in her head but I watched a lot of really dark stuff growing up hell yeah oh apparently Sarah and the Squirrel is narrated by Mia Farrow it is oh cool we'll put a link to this in the in the show notes guys to both of those films because uh, Samson and Sally is like fantastic I highly recommend that one so I don't really know what scared me the most. I think just the overall tone of the film, because it's a very, very dark film, especially compared to Disney films, which are like primarily filled with, you know, upbeat music and humor. Uh, this film that just has like so many sequences that are just like creepy and tense. Like I can think of probably like three or four offhand. Um, probably what comes to mind the like most vividly was the... Um, the sequence where she's trying to drug Dragon the cat and she ends oh. up like cutting herself and seeing blood in an animated film is kind of still novel, I think. Yeah. Yes. So that was something that really struck me growing up because there are a few different um, scenes in the film where people actually get like stabbed or cut and yes. you can see the blood. I was actually really shocked about that when I at, there's a certain part at the end where that happens and I was like, oh shit, they really did show like the blood of that. Yeah. Yeah, the, this movie is full of death. There is a lot of death in this movie. From like, there's like a scene of of the rats escaping. Um, Nim, oh god, the mice! And the mice get sucked in in the vent. And they're like, just like screaming and like being pulled away by the the wind. It's just oh, it's terrifying. It's horrific. Yeah. And if you and if you think about just like the the idea, because the whole the whole premise behind it is that it's um it's time for the farmer to plow his field, and all of the the creatures that are living in the field have to like uproot their lives before they get run over by a fucking plow, and it is a nasty ass plow like mm -hmm. it is i it just it, everything about this is about death and it's such an effective sequence too because you have all the hairs like thumping on the ground with their feet to like warn these subterranean creatures and oh, everyone's yes. just like fleeing at the same time just oh it's so good <laughs> it reminded me a lot of watership down um which was a movie that's like that fucked me up as a child that I, movie is a nightmare that movie is a nightmare i've never seen it well, so I watched it in like the fourth or fifth grade, and there's just like a lot of graphic rabbit death. Mm. And but it's like not cute little animals like in Secret of Nim. It's like pretty realistically rendered cartoon rabbits. So it doesn't. There's not that kind of like dissonance between, like you know, in Secret of Nim, it's like they're all wearing clothes and stuff. So it's like right. they're a little bit more human like. Watership Down. Those rabbits are straight up rabbits, and it's just like awful. Plus, it's all about politics, which is pretty heavy for, you know, a children's film. Yeah. <laughs> well, what's ostensibly a children's film, but maybe shouldn't be. Okay, yeah. there is a lot of politics in this in this movie. There I, are they... a lot of mm -hmm. politics. I was like, did it, everyone was just trying to get kids to be political, and they were doing it through cute animated woodland creatures. Yeah, it's, it's almost like... It kind of I, like it was over, totally over my head when I watched it as a kid, but like, it's totally about like down with capitalism mm -hmm. let's go um live uh, one person like messaged um us on on twitter and was like it's an anti-civ mas masterpiece and i'd never heard the term anti-civ before and i had to look it up but it's basically this movie where like let's all leave the society and, and destroy it and then just basically live in kind of like a colony where everyone participates and, and brings something to it as opposed to uh the way that the rats have been living currently and i'm like man this this movie really kind of goes there it does it's another thing that sticks out to me now is like the maturity of like the dialogue and the themes which like you said went over my head completely when i was in 
you know, whatever grade it was that I saw it. Yeah. Did any of you read the book? No. Um, I did, but it was so long ago. I don't really yeah. remember but I too many of the differences. Yeah, same here. Well, cause, All so, I know is that it was Mrs. Frisbee in the book, and they changed it yes. because of the Frisbee. <laughs> was that why? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they changed it for the movie because of the Frisbee. That's so funny. <laughs> what were you going to say, Mary Beth? I'm sorry. I was just going to say that, like, I knew I saw this movie as a kid, mm. but I couldn't remember any of it for some strange reason. And then I watched it yesterday, and it all just came flooding back to me immediately. It was so strange. Like, I... Terry, you tweeted something similar to this. Like, I don't yeah. remember watching it all the time, but I have, like, all of a sudden, I remembered all of these parts, like, with Jeremy and Dom Delouise's voice. And, like, <laughs> like oh, the, the beauty of the film. And it was like, oh, shit, I, wa- I watch this a lot. I think, I think I got it from the library as a kid and watched it all the time. I mean, the animation is so gorgeous. Don Bluth, man. He left Disney just so that he could bring back, like, all these old traditional techniques. Like, um, a lot of the scenes were backlit, so they would have, like, the matte application of the colors on the film and then, like, oh. shoot light through colored gels. And that's where you get, like, the glowing of, um, like, the great owl's eyes. Whoa, like that. Yeah. really? Yeah, also a lot of rotoscoping as well. Yes. And so the thing that, that, that blows me away with this is that, you know, he, he was working at Disney, and he was working at a time where, where Disney animation was kind of... Um, going downhill in a way like there was mm-hmm. just a bad period of, of time for him and he was like he, he was basically being put to use as kind of like the the worker bee and he had like all these great ideas and he really wanted to do this this movie and so he left disney and he and a, and a team of animators from from disney basically mortgaged their houses worked out of garages like you can tell the amount of love that is going into this movie as if it's like the last thing they could possibly do and they needed to get it out, you know? I mean, all of that was worth it. It's just, it's a joy to watch. It really is. And the thing, like like what Mary Beth was saying, I I know that I had seen this movie and I know that I watched it a couple times, but it, it had been like... I, I don't even know. It might have been 25 years since I've seen this movie. And yet when you just fell back into it, I did when when I when we were when I was watching the, the kind of opening where Mrs. Brisby's going to talk to Mr. Aegis. I could quote those lines before they were going to happen. Like, I'm like, oh, my gosh, I know exactly what she's going to say. I know what he's going to say. I know that oh he's going to fall down into the, 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 the little pipe. And like I I it everything just came flooding back to me. And it's amazing how not seeing a movie in 25 years and yet it still had that kind of effect on me just burrowed right into your subconscious yeah well and Valeska last night we were I, I was messaging you about the podcast and we were talking about the movie a little bit and you called it dark magic and like that's what it is mm-hmm. totally it's beautiful dark magic so I like admittedly didn't know like I knew who Don Bluth was but I wasn't like super aware of his work and I was watching secrets of the secret of Nim and I was like wait hold on a second this all feels like very familiar. And my partner, Steve was like, yeah, he animated like everything yeah. from like the eighties. So I Land looked before time. Yeah. So I, I looked up, like I went to check out his work. Land before time, all dogs go to heaven. Anastasia, AKA the yeah. best Disney movie of all time. Um, he did the troll in central park. American tale. American, ta- American tale. Yes. Like, and as soon as I saw I saw that, I was like, oh, yes, okay, this man's animation style, like, shaped so many childhoods. <laughs> so, and but, like, also, 
what an effect he had on a generation of youth because okay this movie comes out and it it's it's traumatizing and scary and then a year later he's 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 fucking making people spend 50 cents on a game to play dragon's lair right I can't tell you how many quarters <laughs> how many dollars how many five dollars i went through to play that game and then a few years later he's breaking people's hearts with land before time with the the horrible wrenching death of the mom. Like, well, see, you made that happen because the video game segment actually like kept the company afloat. You can take some credit for that. Hell yeah. You're welcome, pe- kids of the 80s, for being traumatized. <laughs> <laughs> the Landmark for Time was supposed to be a little bit more um, intense and dark, but they made him dial it back a bit. I'm really curious as to what the film would have looked like if there hadn't been so much um, studio influence. Yeah. The thing is, is like, I what what surprised me about it watching again is how terrifying some of the sequences are like when when she's going to meet the great owl mm-hmm. oh, for instance Jesus. with the, the spider fu- the fucking spider oh the my fucking God. spider the fucking spider and then he just like steps on it <laughs> it's like <laughs> gooey and and he the owl is this it kind of reminded me of like in a fantasy movie when the heroes have to go into like some undead tomb Mm -hmm. because he's like covered in webs and his head's upside down and all you see are the his eyes like glowing and also like just in terms of size he's like 500 times larger than her oh yeah he just (laughs) Just, like the scale of literally when the spider came out i was like there is not that big of a size difference between mice and spiders (laughs) (laughs) and steve was like well there's big spiders like they're not that big (laughs) they're that big for me that was a king spider. <laughs> um, and then, so, well, it, and then Nicodemus has those, like, nasty hands. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I was like, oh, my God, those are Rasputin's hands from Anastasia. <laughs> they look literally the exact same hand, like, with, like, weird little bubbles on it. Watch your words. They look like bubbles, like, the long nails. Like, he, like, he, they have the same <laughs> weird hands. Good catch. Yeah. I think I just watched, I watched Anastasia so much as a child like it was, it was my favorite i haven't seen it you haven't you should. i haven't well, i don't even i don't even know if it would be as good now i like, i'm colored by being obsessed with that as a child but <laughs> it's very good. i mean if don bluth is involved i'm sure it's, it's good. beautiful and like the music is really cool it's like not as cheesy as a lot of other disney music to me and it's creep it's creepy it's an entire section where rasputin sings to like creepy ghosts and bugs about kidnapping anastasia Wow, it's pretty creepy. It's like it's like it's like it's on the same level as that. Have you seen the Hunchback of Notre Dame? Um, the animated? No. Oh, never mind. Mm-hmm. Okay. Damn not. it. Never mind. Just kidding. Th- that movie also. <laughs> no, it's okay. That movie also has a very creepy song about a man wanting to steal a woman. There's a couple oh, movies with that in Disney that I'm like, wait, hold on. These songs are really awful. So, but speaking of music, I forgot that Jerry Goldsmith did the score to this, and. It's so good. It's a very good score. It's so good. I think Jerry Goldsmith is an amazing composer. Um, rest in peace. Uh, what else has he done? Uh, let's see. He did Alien. Mm, he did mm. um, Planet of the Apes. He did uh, first. He did a bunch of movies in the nineties, like First Night. Um, okay. He did The Ghost in the Darkness. Um, he uh, he did Gremlins. He did oh. Poltergeist. Oh my god. He's like all over um, the place. And then Secrets of Nim. Secret and Secrets of Nim. of Nim. Yep. He uh like he did uh oh he did the Star Trek uh movie. He just like he's he's done he did so much. He did LA Confidential, Air Force One, he did Mulan. Good um, God. He did the Mummy, The Haunting, Hollow Man. 
uh like all, most of the star trek movies malice like his his basic instinct um total recall warlock leviathan Jesus. the birds like it <laughs> just it goes on it goes on and on and on and he, let's just make the rest of this podcast just like listing his there credits. we go i, I mean <gasps> yes. we could he is oh my god he started in like the early 60s and he composed up until his his death he's just he's i think he's an, a very underrated because everyone talks you know about like john williams john williams but like i think jerry goldsmith has made some really challenging scores and i think and they always seem to stick in my head. And it was one of those things where it's like I was humming along to the music and I hadn't, again, watched this movie in so mm-hmm. fucking long. I find that often it's like more so than the dialogue, it's like the score that stays with me. Mm-hmm. I had the same yeah. uh, reaction to the, when we watched rewatched The Dark Crystal. It's like the music just like came back to me in, in such a strong, strong mm-hmm. way. So do we want to talk about the elephant in the room and the elephant being the hot rat named Justin? (laughs) (laughs) I am here to say that Robin Hood and Justin made me gay. Honestly, moon. (laughs) I mean, my sexual awakening was Janny Phantom. I feel like everyone had a crush on Robin Hood. I mean, for good reason. But I, I also feel like people didn't talk about it until we were all older. And then we all found out we were all freaks. (laughs) <laughs> okay, so two things. <laughs> I have this theory that Don Bluth is <laughs> is is responsible for creating the furry fandom. Holy shit, Terry! Because he, <laughs> no, go he with it. <laughs> animated. He animated Robin Hood. What? He was the character animator yeah, for fucking Robin he Hood. Was. And then he turns around and makes Justin. And I'm gonna throw it out there. I also think Jenner is cute in a very wolfish he sort of has way. Got the hottest voice he has a such a nice voice but i'm telling you i went to i went on a deep on a deep dive because <laughs> the furry <laughs> the furry fandom came is is historically came to be in the science fiction convention in 1980 i have a feeling that the rise of sexy animated a- uh, animals of robin hood and justin and the rest of them have created the furry fandom that is my theory. You need to write like a furry history and just call it like my dreams of Robin Hood. <laughs> yes. And just like interview people about like their first experience with that film. Oh my god. Oh my god. This is happening. I'm writing this I'll write down. the forward if you want. Yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm but like, seriously. You can't see me nodding, but I'm just like very slowly nodding my head. I could actually like feel Can you feel that? Nodding. Can you feel <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, so when Barry Beth, it was so funny when you were tweeting last night, you're like <laughs> talking about how hot the rat is and your your boyfriend's like, excuse me? I was like dying because it's it's true. He literally came on screen. I was like, oh, it's the hot rat. Like I just, it, like, it was ingrained rat. in my in like my subconscious <laughs> that Justin is the hot rat. And so many people agreed with me and came out about it and said that they felt the same way about him and Robin Hood. And I was like, I have found my pe- my people, my freaks. Yeah, I was reading all the responses to your tweet. They're just like, you're talking about Justin? <laughs> and I'm like, thank you for knowing exactly who I'm talking about. <laughs> like, it's fascinating. And I mean, it's definitely not Jenner's friend. Which No. Uh, the short rat, Jenner's oh, friend, yes. the one who uh, stabbed him <laughs> in the back, so to speak. <laughs> Wait, so wh- why why do we think he's attractive? Like, can we dig into this? Like, why? What is it? What is it about him? 
he has, he has a... very good posture. <laughs> <laughs> you are ready. You're like, I know exactly why he's hot. And it is his posture. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm pulling up a picture because I honestly, I think it's his face. His face to me is like, it. he has... <laughs> I can't He's believe that face. This. He has, he has like, a good voice too, though. He, he does, does have, have a really good voice. good voice. He has a good smile. His eyes are just so like, I don't know, animated. <laughs> okay, now I'm also pulling up a picture too, so I can me, check out his shoulders. Me too. Oh my god, Every- I love a good shoulder. And he just like he has he, he's a little goofy. He's- um. <sighs> self-effacing he's self-effacing which is yeah. nice yes and he's he's like he's so <laughs> he's boy this is really ex- exposing some of my uh my kinks he's so tall especially when he's standing next to uh um mrs brisby so and he can wear a tunic he, so yes is, he can is, is the implication here that somehow he and mrs brisby hook up did you read- i mean i hope so i'm Did's- shipping them okay cool i was like am i the only one that was like not like reading between the lines of that and being like cool interspecies love we can make it work well yeah and i i also really i just mean he wanted... looks half mouse he does i also just really wanted him and jenner to fuck <laughs> i'm sorry wow there's a lot of tension there though <laughs> i feel like if they just like <laughs> is no longer a horror podcast <laughs> if you keep if you scroll far enough on google image search of justin secret of nim there is fan art of him and brisby together Thank you. I'm the one of them holding surprised. hands? No, there's one of them hugging. Aw. It's cute. It's not bad fan art, guys. It's appropriate. We have our filters on. Thank you very yeah. much. <laughs> <laughs> oh, nope. That's inappropriate. Um, <laughs> oh, I just saw a kissing one. That's the one I also saw. But I guess what it was... Th- watching this movie now, it is fascinating. Like The power of animation to get us attracted to a cartoon rat. Like, talk about, like, talented to make that happen. And obviously, it's not just us. Like, it's a pretty wide, widely experienced thing. So, I don't know. That's really cool in a way, I think, that animation that can have me, that, like, reaction. It makes me wonder now if um, a lot of his stuff was rotoscoped as well. So, we're actually seeing, like, a human body moving and just, like, seeing the oh, rat's that's... face superimposed. Oh. Because it could be a lot of the body language as well that... That's really interesting. I think that's part of it, especially with with Robin Hood and with this, is that yeah. the the animation is so fluid that it, it feels it feels like it, it feels very human. I mean, I, I get that that's sort of like what they're going for. It's that anamorphic or whatever they whatever the term is, but like it literally they move like like humans, and so there's that kind of it's not even uncanny valley because you're looking at an animal, but it like, it's familiar to you because it, it's the way that we're seeing a human walk or move. And it's mm-hmm. so fluid that I, I think maybe, yeah, I, I, I don't know, but it's, it's something. Yeah. Wow. I just want to say that I found a, uh, Justin cosplay outfit that Ooh. I'm going to put into the chat. Very good. Love this for us. It hasn't fully loaded for me, but that is, I think, the link to it. Oh. Yeah. (laughs) It's just a shirt. I mean, if that's something you want to incorporate into your life in any way you want, I'm not here to judge. Hell no. I I would celebrate it. I wonder if I get Steve to wear that, and then I can just wear a little red cape and be Mrs. Brisby. Uh, Oh my god. Yes, Yes, please. Costume of the year. Yes, please. You have to do that now. I think I do. I was going to say, wait, now I have to do this. 
Um, I mean, it's recorded, so you can't go back. <laughs> um, what was I going to say? Terry, you sound like, you say, you say. You say, good Lord. Sorry. You say? <laughs> I've, <laughs> well, I've had okay. a long day. <laughs> She's like all overcome by all of this uh, conversation about Justin. It's true. I've gotten heat, all hot and bothered. Yeah. Same. The thirst is real. The thirst is real <laughs> for a rat. <laughs> um, He's okay. like a bay rat, though. Oh, he is. He is definitely bay the rat. definition of bay. <laughs> um, but uh, <laughs> kind of pulling us back on on track and away from my thoughts of Justin and Jenner in a tree. Um, I mean, we can just hover right there as long as you need to. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, trust me, I want to linger all night. Um, but anyway. Oh what? my god. Amazing. Oh my this god. is fun, you guys. Okay. So cold brew is uh is definitely kicking in. I'm feeling I'm in that kind of uh Oh no. I am um, only podcasting with you guys when there is cold brew involved. Hell yeah. This is great. Well this this might be uh the thing that I do every time now. I don't know. But anyway, so what I love about this movie is that and I really noticed it this time is is how it gives agency to the mother. Yeah. So like, if you consider the the kind of cartoons from that time, you know, you have Bambi where the mother dies. You have Dumbo where the mother is ripped away from the kid and and put in a cage. You have The Land Before Time, another Don Bluth movie where the mom dies, and it's always from the kid's perspective. It's always about like dealing with that. And yet here, he that's a story about a, a woman that is she's a timid um, mouse. But she goes on this on this journey and she basically has to face all of her fears, heights, the cat, um, everything to save her family. And it's it's kind of interesting when you when you consider, again, that the time period that this is taking place in. Yeah, I hadn't thought yeah. about that. That's a really good point. Yeah, that actually stuck out a lot to me too when I was watching it, because like you said, a lot of these movies, the mom dies or she takes a back seat. But this is like a, mo- a very rare animated movie where the mom is the hero and she is the focus and her kids take the backseat. Well, not like like they take a backseat in terms of like screen presence, but really they are the motivation for everything she does. And I don't think I had really ever obviously registered that as a kid. I like for some reason I remembered her as not being a mom, which is mm. an interesting thing. I don't. We can dig into that if we want, but she doesn't act. She doesn't. Well, she doesn't act like the normal and scare quotes cinematic mom that you see in animated films, which is no. amazing. And I don't think that's talked about enough. Terry, like you brought up, Terry, and I'm so glad you talk about it because she's a badass. She but, is a badass. Like and not and like a badass in a way you wouldn't expect. And like she's not tough all the time, but she's tough in like no. a very specific way. Like she's resilient a really nice balance between like her terror and her bravery like we see her doing something amazing and then like cowering to the point where like auntie shrew has to pull her off of the tractor after she sabotages it and it feels very real though i mean yeah. again she's a cartoon mouse but like she like you said there's a balance like she's relatable in a way like she will do anything but not without a little bit of fear and hesitation mm-hmm. and that's like so authentic in a way that feels it feels weird to say it with an animated kids movie but it is like a more authentic portrayal of like being a person i feel like you don't see that a lot especially in like disney films where everyone seems to be more of a caricature the other thing that really stuck out to me and like i i, I kind of feel talking about this is is, is sort of like well duh terry but i didn't <laughs> i didn't realize how much of a of a fantasy movie this was like it relies 
on it tackles traditional family tropes. I mean, it's a hero's journey. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she starts out as this timid field mouse, and by the end of it, she has her the the magical amulet, which is always also a trope in, in fantasy stories, or like some magical item. And she discovers the power inside of her, and she's the one that ends up saving her family. So you got the hero's journey. There's even a, a dragon. Like the cat is literally named Dragon. <laughs> you have the owl who's the wise teacher that imparts knowledge there's sword fighting you know there's there's the the idea of like the mice or peasants living in this king in this kingdom and the royal court is full of rats that could care less about the lower creatures as they even say it in in their little royal court ruling area and it almost has like a, a prophecy to it and it just it really struck me about how this is a traditional fantasy movie with um yeah animals I said earlier, but Steve called them rat wizards. Like, yeah, they're big, like, Nicodemus is just a fucking wizard. He is. He's telekinetic. It's amazing. It's truly phenomenal. And so this is funny. Um, so Steve were like as a, was a psychology major in college and works in psychology now. And sorry, everybody, but when he did his thesis, he did testing on rats, and he was like. That's not how rat testing works. I'm like, Steve, <laughs> Steve, it doesn't matter. He's like, we don't give them superpowers. <laughs> he was like, it'd be really cool if that's how that happened, but we would be dead if that was how that happened. Uh, so <laughs> since we're going down this route, like, okay, I, first of all, I did not realize when I was a kid that Nim was actually stood for something. Yeah. And they even like literally fucking spell it out in the movie. But like, I don't, I don't know. I just never really thought about it being like... A, a real a real organization but mm-hmm. going off of what you're talking about with with steve my brother he is currently pursuing a phd in neurology oh. and he has to do stuff with with mice and the stories that he has to tell about about them driving them basically mad with lsd before breaking their necks like it's, it's like fu- it's fucked it's, up it's fucked up and it, it's horrible and i i it's something that um resonated this this time watching this movie about how how much the the rats are dependent on on humanity and yet humanity is what fucked them up yep well there's a point when jenner goes like we'll go to war and i'm like what the fucking people (laughs) (laughs) honey as as smart as you are i don't know if that I mean, they created an elevator that becomes airtight, goes underwater. Oh my god, my favorite part of the basement. You do have a point. You do have a point. Um, Where's all that water at? That's what I wanted to know. Where's all that water? Where's all that water coming from? That's what I wanted to know. Uh, Every time they water the rose bush, they just hold on to the water. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I have no idea. I mean, that makes sense, actually. (laughs) (laughs) Or they steal it from Dragon Bowl. There we go. Which, by the way, terrifying creature. I love the design of of, of dragon. I mean, I don't really like the way that the film demonizes cats, but it was a different time. So I've had a day today, and I work in an animal shelter. <laughs> Fuck off, Terry. <laughs> I work in. An I know animal where the shel- story's going. I know. I work in an animal shelter as like my 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 day job, and today I got bit by a cat. Um, oh no! And it was like it. She is a very she's one of those cats where like she turns on you in a second and it is just like an unfortunate situation. She's fine, mm-hmm. I'm fine, but I have a puncture wound in my hand. <laughs> and it's just like 
I love cats with all my heart, but it's so funny being like demonizing cats. And I walked into I walked into my house today, I looked at my cat and said, "Your kind are the devil." <laughs> well, okay, so here's I mean, the... you're not wrong. <laughs> I love cats so much, but Jesus Christ! <laughs> here's the thing: I I love cats. Um, they are my favorite animal. I'm not a dog person. I love cats. I think cats are Same. wonderful. I I absolutely love them. However, I will say. <laughs> That I, when I was watching this movie, I was like, oh, the boy, animated movies really fuck over cats. <laughs> but, but I also was thinking about the oatmeal comic. Have you guys seen the oatmeal comic um, about cats actually kill? Yes. Uh, I don't think I remember. Oh my God. Yes. Well, I just put it in chat and we will link to it. But like, he basically does this thing where he like goes through about how cats are serial killers. And according <laughs> to the studies that they did, um, of all the animals they kill, 21% are brought home, 30% are eaten, and f- almost 50% are just left to rot. Because they just basically toy with them and kill them <laughs> and then leave their bodies. <laughs> and these are domesticated domesticated cats. They're not talking about like feral cats or whatever. And he talks about how there's 84 million cats in this country and 28 million of them are murder cats. <laughs> so like, on one hand, I'm like, man cartoons really demonize cats but on the other hand there are two billion nine hundred and twelve million deaths i do have a counterpoint sort of um (laughs) so i lived in a house that had mice Mm -hmm. and i had a cat at the same time and the cat would kill the mice but i don't think he meant to because we would just find these like perfectly styled mice bodies that i think um, he just like would hold them and like lick them until they had a heart attack i'm pretty sure that's what a serial killer does oh just God. like pose the body <laughs> so i'm just gonna say there was never any blood it was just like <laughs> that's not a counterpoint that's like that is further evidence that no he like... just loved them too much uh, i love him I... <laughs> he licked them so much they had heart attacks I accept no other narrative. That is exactly what happened. <laughs> I think that he had, a, like, there were good intentions there, I'm sure. Hello, friend. I must clean. Oh, no. I my friend did not move anymore. <laughs> oh, well. You would look so much better if that fur was just slicked back a little bit. Let me help you. And now I'm just going to stage your body. Oh, my God. Because <laughs> I'm totally not a serial killer. My sweetest cat. My cat did kill cockroaches in my old apartment, but I don't think, again, he didn't know what to do. Oh, that is a good cat. It, he was great. He's he's an amazing cat. But, like, he did it and then didn't know what to do with them. He was, like, <laughs> he, it's like he didn't follow, he, like, his instincts made it, got him halfway there, and then they just kind of fell off. My parents' cat, um, in the summertime, does not eat. Uh, dry food because he's an outdoor cat and he gets his fill of creatures that he kills outside. Jesus and Christ. he will drop off heads of birds in front of the door for That's us. That's some fucking hereditary shit. I was just going to say that. <laughs> yep. He drops off heads of birds It's like uh, and mice. It's like, oh, there's a bird head <laughs> just perched on our doorstep. Oh my god. Cat, I mean... I love That's cats. some mafia shit. <laughs> right? I love cats dearly, but they are rather psychotic. <laughs> Yeah, they're too, they're too smart for their own good. But they purr so well. They do mm. purr so well. They purr so well, and then all of a sudden their purrs stop and they bite you in the hand. Yeah. Or it was like my old cat before she passed away, and she would sleep on my on my my feet while I was playing games, and every time I move it, she would just wrap her around me and bite me. I just cats. I had a, cats sorry, are, go ahead. I was saying cats are so smart and so stupid. Yep. 
I had one cat that I could not let um, come into my room at night anymore because whenever I wasn't petting him, i.e. asleep, he would like full on punch me in the face <laughs> with all of his might. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> my, yeah, I had, to, I had to kind of do the same thing with, with my cat, too, when she was a kitten. She would like at three in the morning just take off running. And she was... um. I mean, she was a heavy cat. She was a Maine Coon. She was 25 pounds. Oh, and she wow. Would use, 25 she, pounds? Yeah. She would use my That's stomach amazing. as like a, a bounce board in the middle of the oh. night. And so I had to like not let her sleep in my room because she would wake <laughs> me up at three in the morning. They bring this on themselves. They do. They do. But my cat wow. grooms me at night. <laughs> oh my God. That's adorable. It is cute, but it hurts. <laughs> It's like really sweet, and then I'll wake up in the morning and be like, "What the fuck is this tangle?" It's like literally, I'll have tangles in my hair from my cat zucchini licking my head. Oh, zucchini! It's like you're a giant mouse. I... <laughs> Hello, human. You are actually giant mouse. Must clean you. Your hair dirty. Must tenderize you. Oh Jesus, gross. Anyway. Wow. All right. I went off on a tangent there about our cats. But yeah, we took a journey. We did take we, a journey. We took a couple journeys tonight. We did take a couple journeys tonight, but they're all amazing journeys. Yes. What a good movie. I think we accomplished a lot. I'm so glad you picked this movie. I, I am too. Like, I, it is literally a masterpiece. Well, I was watching it and Steve came home from work and he's like, what? I was like, oh yeah, I'm watching Secret of Nim for a podcast. He's like, yeah, why else would you be watching it? And I was like, <laughs> I wish more people would, would watch it. Because I thought about it. I was like, yeah, he's right. And then I'm like, wait, hold on. This movie's actually, like you said, a masterpiece. It's fantastic. It really is. I think that you should give your listeners some homework. Everyone, listen to this. Not listen. Watch The Secret of Nim. It's on Tubi for free. Yeah, it's also on Amazon Prime. That's how I watched it. Can we just talk a little bit about how Jeremy's crow girlfriend at the end is plump and a little bedraggled looking, which is very relatable? Yes. Yes. I like that they didn't like slim her down and give her like fake crow boobs or something. (laughs) Crow boobs. But they gave her like a, a feather ponytail, which I love. Oh my god, <laughs> she was amazing. I loved her. I loved, yeah. but I loved Jeremy so yeah. much. Oh my okay, god. Dom DeLuise though, his he is such an amazing voice actor. His voice, and like again, this was someone's voice who I knew so much as a kid, but I did not know who he was. And right. now that I'm older, I'm like, wow, again, voice my childhood. Yeah, yeah, he was. Um, what was the other dog? The sidekick dog in All Dogs Go to Heaven. Not Charlie, the other one. I forgot, but I know what you're talking about. Yeah. And he was also, wasn't he? I think he was in American Tale, too. I think he's done a couple um, Don Blue films. That makes sense. Because I think he was, um, he was the, the, the orange cat that befriends uh, Fievel, I believe. Oh, that's right. Was the cat demon? Oh, it wasn't demonized. That's good. <laughs> that's well, the nice, no, that's... the cats were Justice demonized in cats. that movie. No, it was like, the whole song is, there are no cats in America. Because the mice are being eaten by uh, it's it's like a, a oh, stand-in for anti-Semitism and and like the cats are basically fascists and Nazis. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and they're killing <laughs> the uh, the Jewish mice is basically the theme of that movie. Who is? Uh, yes. Who is Tom DeLuise in? Oh, he's in Oliver and Company. Have you ever seen Oliver and Company? I love yes. Oliver and Company. Oh, what a good, it's so cute. What a good movie. But he really, and like, I lo- I'm looking at a picture of him now, and he looks just like what he sounds like. He's <laughs> like a very plump Italian man with a nice beard. Yeah. Rest in peace, dude. Rip. Was but- he also in Robin Hood Men in Tights? Yes, he yes, was. Yes, he was. Okay. I'm looking at that right now. He was Don Giovanni. 
Yep. Makes sense. That tracks. <laughs> a name like that. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just like, I fell in love with this movie all over again, and I'm so glad we got to watch it. He was also Pizza the Hut and Spaceballs. Oh, shit. Oh, my God. <laughs> and on that note. <laughs> and on that, on that phenomenal note. Oh, geez. Um, I'm wrap? exhausted, you guys. <laughs> this was a lot. <laughs> yeah, we went, we went a lot of places. Yes, we did. <laughs> so thank you, uh, Valeska, for, for joining us to talk about this very underrated masterpiece, Secret of Nim. Uh, where can the listeners find you and what do you have uh, to plug? What's coming up for you? I guess you can follow me on uh, Twitter at BitchcraftTO. Um, there's a new issue of Grimm out. You can access that at anatomyofascream.com. We have free digital downloads. We can, you can order it's it in print. It's beautiful in print. Um, Scared Sacred. Idolatry, religion, worship, and the horror film is coming out next month. We'll, we'll put we'll pull all that info in the show notes, guys, so you can link. We can link out. Oh yeah, perfect. Yeah, I got a lot going on. I think that that's like the those are the three most important right now, though. It seems to be the story of your life. You got a lot going on. There's a lot <laughs> of stuff. You just have a lot of like stuff in the air, and I think it's awesome. I I don't know how you do it. Oh, um, and for Toronto people, we're having um, an anniversary party for Grimm at the Monarch Tavern on the 28th at 7 p.m. I'm flying to Perfect. Toronto. <laughs> <laughs> There's going to be karaoke. It'll be worth Ooh, your time. Flying to Toronto. Um, anyway, so you've heard from us. We want to hear from you. What was your experience with the secrets of Nim, the secret of Nim growing up? Send us an email at scarredforlifepodcast at gmail.com. And we might feature you in an upcoming episode. You can also reach out to us on Twitter. I'm at MB McAndrews. And I'm at Gailey Dreadful. And of course, follow the podcast on Twitter at Scarred Podcast. We post contests. We post our episodes. We like to interact with our fans and our listeners. So please follow us on there. And please don't forget to review, rate, and subscribe. We had a review just this last week from someone about the Rob Sheridan episode. So thank you so much for taking the time to do that on iTunes. It's it's really helpful. Yeah. Thank you guys so much for Appreciate taking the time it. to do that. It really does help. So keep doing that. Um, thank you to Steve Barnold for our artwork. Thank you to Sean Keller for our amazing music. Um, thanks, everyone, for listening this week. And stay creepy. And until next time. powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you small-town dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1, 
drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in the briefing room. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com.